Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to another WNBL season and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me again, my co-host Jacinta Gavind. Jacinta, how are you doing? Very well, thanks Paul. How are you? Yeah, doing really well and I'm looking forward to having a talk to you about all the action from the Asia Cup and not only what happened there, based off what did happen there, what's things going to look like for the Opal squad as we do the run-up to the World Cup? There's a lot in that to talk about. So many things to unpack and if there was ever a time we needed a crystal ball to look into the future, it's it's now. <laughs> if we... I mean, but it, it would then take away the excitement and anticipation, I guess, leading into the World Cup. But, boy, do the coaching staff at the Opals have their work cut out? Oh, for sure. Let's start off. I mean, we had a completely new squad. Not one of them had gone to the Olympics. And on top of that, I think it was nine, had never been even suited up for the Opals. So it was a pretty interesting lineup. and. Performance-wise, I think they did an amazing job. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, you're right. It was it was nine players on debut for the Opals, including Jade Melbourne, who uh, played in the Under-19 World Cup earlier this year and got to back it up by playing in the Asia Cup for the Opals. So that's pretty exciting. At 19, she's played for the junior Australian and senior Australian team in one year. Yeah, and I reckon that she's really making um, a claim on a spot in the Opals, for want of a better term, as a development player for the Opals. I thought her performances and the minutes that she got at Asia Cup was fantastic. She played really well. She really brought a great attitude. I, I kept an eye on her when you know she was even off the court, and she was there and supporting her team, supporting her teammates, it's the sort of attitude that you really want to see a player bring to a squad like the Opals. Yeah, absolutely. That was perhaps one of her greatest assets uh, at Asia Cup. She knew her role. She knew she was one of the youngest, played under Paul Goris before. Yes, she knew her place. You could tell that she was so grateful to be part of the roster and anytime she hit the court, she made the most of her opportunities The other thing I really like about her, and I could probably say this about the whole squad that played at Asia Cup, is that none of them are flashy players. They don't go out and have their own agenda of, I've got to score this many, I've got to shoot this many, I've got to be as fancy because who else could be watching me. They just know how to play their role and they know how to play to the game plan and for each other. And just their execution on both ends of the court at Asia Cup was so impressive. It was, especially given the lack of preparation that they had. Now, there were a few times, particularly in the early games, where you'd see, you know, again, the sort of thing that we saw at the Olympics where the pass would go and they were expecting someone to be in a particular position and they were just, you know, one step out of place because they hadn't had quite enough time to get all those uh, those sets in place. But as the tournament went on, 
you could see that they were working on that. They were getting better at that. And you're right. Everybody was producing for the team. They weren't just producing for themselves. Yeah, just to kind of compare, you know, the Opals that went to the Olympics, you know, in our previous episodes um, leading into the Olympics and even during the Olympics, we talked about preparation and how we kind of spoke about how it was the preparation that was probably the downfall of the Olympic squad, either minimal preparation and also having even less time to prepare for Liz Cambage exiting. But then you get this Asia Cup team and some of them have played together before, whether it's for um, in the WNBL or in the Australian like universities team, but some of them have played under Gori before as well. So that was to their advantage. But you and I in previous episodes were kind of sweating as to like when are they leaving the country? When are they going to start playing? Do they need a quarantine? Yeah. It was very it was days of preparation they had in Jordan. And if you didn't know that about this team to how they performed in those games, you wouldn't have known that. Just their confidence with executing their plays. Everyone was in the right spot. People were running to their spots and, you know, setting good screens and it just just looked really, really well executed. I think everyone knew their role and they just stuck to it. You're right. The other thing I think came across from watching them was everybody was enthusiastic about being there. Mm. You know, everybody saw that I'm getting to play for Australia. I'm in the Opals. I'm going to give it the best I possibly can. And even if the best I possibly can meant I'm just going to sit here and assist to get you to where you need to get to, that's what they did. It was fun to watch. You could tell they were having fun out there on the court. Yeah, totally. Like it was, I was trying to think of one adjective to describe the Opals at at Asia Cup and I thought, you know, like outstanding or impressive, but the one that stuck with me was joyous. It was watching them and watching the replays I can watch now, it's just still just a joy to watch because like you said, you can tell they're having fun, you can tell they're playing for each other and just the way that the team has gelled in a short period of time, uh, it was it was a basketball fan's dream. It had everything. Yeah, and, you know, Jazz Shelley was another one who was a real standout. Again, not a monstrous amount of minutes, but when she was on there, it was 110%. Every player gave 110%. Yeah, and I was really, really happy to see Christy Wallace I feel like I haven't seen Christy Wallace play properly in years, despite being, you know, she played the full uh, NBL one season for Melbourne Tigers, but I didn't honestly didn't watch any NBL one South games. Um, I only watched the ones my friends were in, to be clear. Um, but it was really, really good to watch her on court and um, be reminded of what she's capable of. I think the only thing I think I would have liked to have seen it was more touches for Keely Froling. Um, because she is tough as guts. She's one of the toughest players, I think, that we've got. And I think with her international experience with the 3 by 3 knowing how much she has to be able to guard any the ball, despite the, if they're a guard or a big, and knowing that she's probably refined her skills about being able to score under pressure situations, I think they could have utilised that a little bit more. Yeah, very true. But that being said... I think she contributed a lot mm. and there were a couple of games there where she was really strong in stopping the opposing team for having opportunities to get the boards or get that ball back. And so while she wasn't 
necessarily contributing what people would expect her to do in terms of scoring, she was able to add to the defense of the team significantly. The other one who really did an amazing job, I thought, was um, Lauren Scherf under the basket. Mm. She made things really tough for players in the paint. Both ends, she was strong defensively. And when she did get the opportunity to take a shot, she would take it and, you know, drop some serious points. Yeah, she's. Um, it's been nice to see her become more confident being a versatile scorer. So I rem- even remember um, the last few seasons, you know, she had with the Sydney Uni Flames. You could tell she was developing her scoring options. She started to take more outside shots. But I think her confidence kind of had to come up, work its way up to match her abilities to do that. But I feel like she's becoming more comfortable and more confident. She perhaps needs to keep refining her skills with decision-making on offense a little bit. But, I mean, that will come with experience. She was very handy for them against uh, South Korea especially too. Oh, yeah. That South Korea game, she did amazingly well. Uh, So did Zatina Aokuso. She was really, really spectacularly good on the floor as well. And, you know, look, utilising the height that we did have in the team helped us to be able to shut down Korea, particularly on the number of rebounds that they missed. Yeah, I was really glad that the Opals were able to exploit that weakness of the South Korean team. Um, And then we saw the South Korean team resort to some unpreferred tactics, I'll say. (laughs) Unpreferred things like flopping and um, heavy fouling. And you'd never like to see a game go that way. No, you don't. I mean, there was one that we've talked about before where um, it was the softest of touches and it was like, you know, the player got flung eight eight feet across the floor. It was just, yeah, the commentary team called it as like, yeah, I don't think there was much in it. It was... (laughs) (laughs) The usually quite neutral commentary team were even agreeing, yeah, there's nothing in that. There was nothing in that. (laughs) Yeah, no, there was nothing there. Obviously, the big talking point out of the whole competition in terms of the Opals was the performance of Sammy Whitcomb. Wow. What do you say? 28 minutes per game or just a little bit over or more. And the other thing was 105 points for the tournament in total. That's some pretty big numbers. Huge, huge. Uh, Well-deserving place in the All-Star 5 for the tournament. Now, the Sammy Whitcomb debate continues. So we've talked also on previous episodes about how during the Olympics there was lots of backlash on social media about Leilani being picked and underperforming at the Olympics. Lots of people saying Sammy Whitcomb should have gone, blah, blah, blah. And look, no matter how you look at it, it would be so difficult to make a decision because they're both exceptional players. Um, They both play the role very differently. You know, Sammy's campaign at Asia Cup was outstanding and it was different a different team, it was different coaching style, perhaps a different role that she was asked of from Paul Goris as the coach versus perhaps what we don't know what Leilani's instruction was under Sandy at the Olympics as a pass-first guard rather than a look-to-score-first guard because, you know, growing up in, you know, when you play basketball as a kid and you go to learn to play, you're always told from the very start that when you have the ball in your hand, your first option is always to look to score, but that's not what we saw at the Olympics. So if you want to compare that, it's still too many variables for me to compare, but Sammy was just electric. Like she was so good, so, so good. Um, considering she just finished her WNBA season, 
She flew however many hours to Jordan. Yeah, then she, you know, had so much small time to prepare and then she was back on court. Yeah. I, look, I think the fact that she did walk out of the WNBA and straight into the Asia Cup was probably a benefit mm. because, I mean, she played really well in the, the Liberties campaign in the postseason. The fact that she just brought that to the table was just, it was obvious that she was streets and miles ahead of everybody else that she was playing against. Her numbers, you know, support that. Mm. But also, given the fact that there was such a young team that was being put together, it looked to me that she was asked to look for the scoring option pretty much every time because there were times when you'd see her driving for the basket and, you know, there were people in the way, but she would still be going for it rather than maybe looking for an option to pass it to someone else to take the shot. Overall, if you look at the the makeup of the team, you can see that that's the sort of role that she was asked to play. And you know what? She stepped up and delivered. It was, you're right, it was an electric performance. It was, what can you say about it? It was just spectacular to watch. Every time she got on the court, she really made things happen. The only time when she got slowed down a bit was in the Japan game. Mm, yeah, um, I think Japan's on-ball defense was very good. That was probably the toughest defense that they came across throughout the whole tournament. They were setting a lot of really nice traps where it wasn't in the back quarters in the front court. It was just over halfway. Um, even Christy Wallace probably got caught on them a couple of times too. But, yeah, their on-ball defense was really, really good. But, I mean, to our point guard's credits, they handled that pressure really well, like remarkably well, still oh, yeah. playing at full pace, uh, still playing full pace transition. Like the Opal's transition throughout the whole tournament was a real highlight for me, especially if we want to compare the Opal's campaign at the Olympics where there was like no transition. But, uh, yeah, no, Sammy was, oh, wow. And I think her leadership as well, bringing she she certainly led from the front as you should as a leader. But her experience and her confidence in her abilities and her confidence in her teammates around her was a very important role that that young team needed as well. Because sure, she could have taken as many shots as she wanted to. There was probably a couple of you know early threes that she took that may may not have been the best option. But she was always looking for her teammates. She played completely unselfishly yeah yeah it's actually the japan game i thought particularly you know it's such a close game japan was down six of their olympic players Mm. which makes japan's win that much more of a of a talking point but if that team beat china and the opals were able to get so close against them it says that we got a good core here And if you can pair up this group of young players Mm. with a core of veterans, I think we've got the potential for a real winning combination in the run-up to the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And I would say leading up to the World Cup that no one spot, no one on that Olympic roster, well, I shouldn't say no one, but I think of that 12-person roster that they took to the Olympics, I would say... I, I am confident that two people from that Olympic roster, like would, their spots would be secured for the World Cup. The rest, I I think it's anyone's spot to take. I don't think there's anyone safe really. The rest I don't think are safe in that Olympic roster. Like if you're one of the players who are from like 8 to 12, 
I would be very worried because there's these young people who played at the Asia Cup who are coming for your spot. Yeah, and it's a really interesting point to touch on as we're looking down a road at, at the World Cup because basically you've got the Olympic Opals mm. and then you've got the Asia Cup Opals, mm. which means you've got a pool of 24-odd players from whom you can pull together a team mm. for the World Cup. Now, what that means, in my opinion, is that anybody who wasn't in one of those two squads is going to have an issue in terms of getting into the squad. So, you know, it, you're going to have to be able to pull out a pretty spectacular WNBL performance yeah. to be able to have people looking at you as knocking on the Opal's door just from the basis of this pool of talented people who are there ready to go. Yeah, and, and keep in mind that that 20, you know, the 12 from the Olympics, the 12 from the Asia Cup doesn't include Shyla Hill either because she chose yeah. to go to Asia Cups. She's not in that pool either. So the talent pool is even a little bit further. But interesting, you mentioned, you know, a strong WL NBL performance because the other person that people on social media were saying should have been included in the Olympic squad was Lauren Nicholson. And now she obviously had a really outstanding WNBL season in the bubble last season for Townsville. Excellent scorer, like yeah. off the screen, great mid-range shot. And I think uh, the skill of, of hitting a mid-range shot is a little bit lost with the current style of play I've seen, um, you know, in all kinds of age groups in Australian women's basketball. But the word, word that I got from the Olympic Opals camp was that Lauren, you know, was a great scorer in the WNBL, but when she's in the same camp and the same space as a lot of the more experienced Opals or those that play in the WNBAs, that she tends to get a little bit lost in the scoring. So that's what I was kind of expecting to see at this Asia Cup. But I felt like Lauren's scoring options at Asia Cup were all very good. She took very good shots. She made very good decisions. She did a very good job of getting open when it was required for her in, in the half-court play. I think the only thing was she just wasn't finishing those shots as often as she would in the WNBL. But, I mean, if you, you're going to compare an international competition to WNBL, it's just that mental confidence that you need to be able to finish those shots. All of her shots, her, her footwork, her technique, all of that stuff was right. I think it was just a mental thing where she's just got to relax a bit and make those shots. So surely her name has got to be in the mix as well for that World Cup squad. I mean, now that we know as we, you know, five minutes before we started recording, we know that Katie Ray Ebsery has just announced her retirement. Yeah. So that's uh, up for grabs. That's a real bombshell. Mm. Um I mean, we knew that she hadn't signed because we we talked about that in relation to the free agency podcast mm -hmm. we did. But that really surprised me that Katie's decided to pull up stumps because I think, you know, the honest truth is that she's still playing really well. Yeah, I agree. She physically didn't look like anything was going to stop her. She was very fit. I don't think she's, other than maybe a concussion here and there, I don't know if she's ever had a major injury. So she's looking after herself really well. Yeah, definitely looked like she had a lot of playing days left. But I don't know, it's got us a feeling over the last few years that perhaps she wasn't enjoying playing anymore. When you're not enjoying it anymore, then it's unfortunately time to hang up the boots, I think. And look, you know, the WNBL is going to miss her because mm -hmm. she's driven and explosive player to watch. Hmm. So, you know, it's a loss. 
But as you said, it opens up a slot for in the Opals. And, you know, we've got no shortage of talent to fill in these holes, which is great. But I'm looking at this pool of people for World Cup and I'm just thinking, if you weren't in one of those two campaigns, how do you get into Mm. Opal's contention? The only option is to that I can see in the short term is to put in an absolute blinder in the upcoming WNBL season Mm -hmm. um, to get on the radar screens because there's a lot of people that have shown that they can step up. Heaps. Heaps, almost, almost too many where I was hoping, well, I am wishing, I know that's probably not a possibility, that as the host nation for the next World Cup that we could have two teams. We could have Australian <laughs> Opals and Australian A Opals like um, Cricket has Australia A. Um, we've got space for two teams, easy. We do, except it would look pretty sad if we had an Australia versus Australia grand final. I mean, I... You know, obviously we wouldn't mind seeing that, but hey. Yeah, it's only going to be sad to everyone else in the in the world. Wouldn't be sad for us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What do you see as your biggest takeaway from the whole Asia Cup campaign? Uh, no one's position from that Olympic squad is safe. I'm going to say with the exception of perhaps Kayla and Steph Talbot, I think they're the two from the Olympics team that I would, you know, guarantee – is going to the World Cup, and that leaves oh probably Jenna, Jenna O'Hay. I'm even going to say from spot seven to twelve, like that's a lot of people in that Olympic team. Those spots are all up for grabs. Like it's yeah, it's going to be really interesting. There might be things like other commitments or injuries or stuff that will decide the fate of the final team. Um, but people that I'd like to see getting strong consideration for the World Cup team again is well, obviously Sammy. Because I'm still unsure about what her lead-up was for the Opals campaign. I wasn't sure if she was actually at the camp in LA that they held before they picked the team. Darcy Garbin, I know that she was very close to making the Olympic team, so hopefully she's strongly considered again. I'm sure Jade Melbourne will be in the mix because, you know, even just from, like you said, a developmental point of view. Who was that? Loz Nicholson, she's got to be close again. I'm sure Zatina will be in the mix um, of that 16. Yeah, it's going to be really, really tough. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's too tough. You mm. know, I, I agree with you. There's so many names that come up, you know, Tiana Mangakea, right? She's another one. Her performances mm. when she was on the floor were great in the Asia Cup. As I said, my biggest thing is, with the wealth of talent that we've got who've suited up for the Opals in the last six months and the amount of talent that is still out there that hasn't suited up in the last six months for the Opals, no doubt we're going to be able to field a great quality team for the World Cup. The question is, if you haven't been in one of those two squads, Mm. how are you going to knock on the door? Because regardless of performance, you know that they're going to have to take at least three or four of the, the Olympics veterans Mm. into the World Cup campaign because you need that stability as you're as you're moving your team forward into you know upcoming campaigns and then there's this huge pool of younger talent you know people like Lauren Scherf who makes a great backup for someone like Tolo Mm. you know so there's so many pieces to the puzzle I think it's going to be one of the most interesting things to keep an eye out on as we move forward over the next 12 months. Yeah, and um, obviously Keely as well. I talked about her before. People like Darcy Garvin and Keely, based on this Asia Cup performance and 
knowing how close Darcy got to the Olympic squad uh, earlier this year and knowing just how quickly Keeley's game has developed since she's become such a prominent three-by-three three player. Um, yeah, I'm going to be looking at them to, you know, they could perhaps really challenge Sarah Blitzarves and Alana Smith for those spots too. So I wouldn't, oh, those four are so interchangeable. It would be really, really interesting to see what they come up with. And I also want to give full credit to Paul Gorris. I loved his coaching style in this tournament. I love how he approaches his players like with such a calm demeanour. Um, he makes communication very personable and I really liked how often he rotated his players as well because there were some games, you know, a general rule when you're coaching is to have at least three of your starters on at any one time, but there were lots of times where he had no starters and five bench and he would frequently rotate people and there was just still a consistent uh, level of play so yeah I think he did a really really good job rotating that roster as well yeah very true I mean Gorry did a fantastic job as the coach he's worked well with this young squad mm. and been able to get them you know to perform spectacularly the rotation of the the younger players through particularly in the Philippines game where he had a lot of the younger players out on the court for quite a bit of time I mean I think Jade Melbourne got I think she got over 15 minutes or somewhere between 12 and 15 minutes of play uh, in that game, maybe even a bit more. To have them out there, uh, give them an opportunity to show what they've got is great. And the fact that your coach had the confidence to give them that time was a great character builder for them. Mm -hmm. And particularly in terms of looking forward to, again, the World Cup, which is the first step on the horizon to Paris, the Paris Olympics. You know, you can see that this campaign has been used as a way to build an upcoming generation of Opals and to give them the confidence that they need they're comfortable to be able to step up into that role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really, really nicely put. I totally agree. Very well planned and very well summarised there, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. Jacinta, it's been great talking to you about the Asia Cup. The Asia Cup has been fantastic. Now we're sort of starting to look towards the upcoming WNBL season, which should be starting soon. It's looking like there's going to be COVID restrictions around it. We're not sure what that's going to be. Uh, but hopefully we'll know sooner rather than later we can start getting ready for that. Yeah, totally agree. It's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. And I've tried to be a super sleuth on Instagram trying to track where players are going and what's happening with team trainings. And some people have only just arrived to their cities uh, in quarantine. They haven't even hit the court yet with their teams. Thanks to Instagram as well, I think I've got suspected two more signings for the Canberra Capitals, being Casey Samuels and possibly Carly Smith. That would be um, interesting. Yeah, so um, I'm, I think they are going to join the Caps because – uh, Casey Samuels put on an Instagram story earlier today that she received a hamper from the Capitals and, you know, tagging them, saying thank you and tagging the sponsors. And last week she posted on Instagram that she was in quarantine in the ACT. And I know that she's been playing in Queensland the last few years. So what else could that mean? Why else would you be going to the ACT at this time and having to quarantine? Good point. Unless she's going to be joining the coaching staff. Oh, yeah, that's a good point too, actually. I think, though, they've got their coaching staff sorted already, whereas, you know, the players' roster's got some blank bases. Very true. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that pans out over the next couple of weeks as well. 
Yeah, yes. Jacinta, as always, great to be talking to you about basketball and the Asia Cup. Looking forward to our next podcast. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Paul. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.